the top of this, but she just like you should. You missed out the good part. I hope I didn't. I hope it's there. You missed out the good part. What's the what's the jabroni? What's the good part, Corwin? Pussy. <laughs> My I'm man. sending this to your mother. She's in Mexico right now. When will you let her come home? Well, How she's long in Tulum, are you her so I don't know if they will let her come home. I don't know what Tulum is. It's where they keep kidnapping people from. Interesting. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Choosing the Big Screen. <laughs> your movies review and discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And welcome to the show today. We're going to be talking about the Oscars. We're late to the party on it because of scheduling conflicts. So suck, suck, suck my balls. Uh, here we are. Uh, Corwin Heller, did you watch the Oscars? Um, I watched for like 45 seconds like i was on my laptop it was time for it to start i was like oh let me pop this on and then i did and then i was like what the fuck am i doing this is fucking ridiculous and i turned it off immediately i am i accidentally watched the whole thing um i'd gotten home from a family event i don't remember what it was at this point and I had to fold all my laundry before I could go to bed because it was, you know, occupying the entire bed as one does with their laundry. Um, and it was like right as the Oscars were about to start. And I was like, ah, fuck it. Might as well throw on the ceremony. And then by the time I finished folding my laundry, it was like two hours in because I like, you know, stopped at various points because I'm lazy. Um, and I was like, ah, I might as well hang on and watch Best Picture. And then, of course, it takes way longer than you think it does. And, uh, yeah, watch the whole ceremony. It was fine. I I've never liked Jimmy Kimmel, and every time I see him do stuff, I'm reminded of why I hold that position, which is his brand of comedy is kind of just like I I I know that this is often used in like a very um I don't know, lame sense, but like he really feels like white privilege, the man where like all of his jokes are like, it's funny because I'm, I'm already funny. So if I'm saying something, it is inherently funny because I'm Mr. Funny guy, which falls so flat. If you don't already find him funny, like he's expecting you to find it funny. None of the jokes worked, but whatever. He, I found him funny in SNL when he was the sidekick, when he wasn't the center of attention, when he wasn't the one forced into feeding jokes or making jokes, when he could just do his thing, be a little side character, break character every single skit. He was good at that. I can't stand talk show Jimmy Kimmel. Not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. No, it's Jimmy Kimmel. It is Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, thank God. Um, I like Jimmy Kimmel as a talk show host. Fuck, I, I'm so stuck on Jimmy Fallon now. I was watching I mean, a video of they, him getting drunk at a bar in Rochester on St. Patrick's Day, and it's like... Man, I think they that, both suck. Every time, I think Fallon's way worse. 
I'm not going to disagree with you because I don't like <laughs> either of them. But uh, yeah. Do you did you ever at any point in your life watch late night TV? Like the um, talk shows? The only I I used to watch a lot of Conan in like early high school. And then I used to watch The Daily Show when it was with Jon Stewart. Um, not religiously, Ooh. but pretty frequently. But I was never like um I was never a Leno guy or a Letterman guy. Like I just didn't care enough. Uh, I liked Craig Ferguson, and I would watch oh his clips. God, right. I would never I watch it him. live. Uh, but yeah, like the Leno Letterman. Conan I enjoyed. Conan I enjoyed because he did his own thing. And he enjoyed being the butt of the joke. And I, I think I also liked... so much more genuine. I, I think I also liked that it was not a legacy network. And so it felt when you're, you know, you're like 14, 15, like you found your own thing. You know, it's it's not uh, CBS or ABC or Fox, you know, like one of these networks that's been around since the dawn of the television. It's TBS, a kooky network that has like three original programs and then just reruns of Seinfeld, plus also Conan for a while. Yeah. Anyway, it's not what we're here to talk about. We have enough to get through as it is. Let's talk about the winners at the Academy Awards. Um. To that end, uh, let's save Best Picture for last, and I'm going to start uh, at the bottom of the IMDb page that says all the Oscar winners and work my way northward. Um, to that end, well, I guess we're starting with Best International Feature Film. Um, we talked about all of these categories uh, in varying degrees of, of um, depth two weeks ago, I think. Um so we were, this was all, all quiet in the Western front ended up winning this award. We had been talking about how if it won this award, it felt like a pretty good sign. It was not going to win best picture. Um, and so when it won this award, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for me that it wasn't going to win best picture. But uh, this was not the first award that it won of the night. I don't have the chronology here, but it was um, a big night for all quiet in the Western front. Uh, Corwin thoughts on the winner. Um, God, I need to pull up my notes of what I had. I wasn't necessarily shocked. I wasn't upset. Based off of everything else that happened, it was, uh, yeah, this is fine, and I won't work myself up over this. However, um, I thought you liked this movie. Didn't you rank it number two in your best uh, picture category? No. Let me look. I had it I had it three. Oh, so you had Banshees at two. Or no, you had Banshees, I had Banshees at one? At, I had Banshees at two, Tar at one. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I loved the movie. I just I thought Women Talking was going to win this and best international feature film. Oh, I thought you were talking about, um, dude. I'm distracted. I just realized Elijah Moore got traded. I was trying to catch up on. He got thing. traded like two hours ago. I've been very busy, Josh. My goodness, you have not been busy. Oh no, you have been busy. I wish EO won this, but I don't really care. Um, that's all well and good. Uh, yeah. Um, Back Elephant Whispers won Best Documentary Short, which I didn't watch any of those movies. Uh, sorry. Um, Irish Goodbye won Best Live Action Short, which I only watched Night Ride of those movies, and that was not very good. So congrats, Irish Goodbye. Um, in what is actually kind of uh, not like a big deal, but has been made much of a stink about, 
The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse won Best Animated Short Film. The reason that kind of a bit of a stink has been made about this is it is by far the worst of the movies here. But it is the only movie here that has the backing of a major distribution platform. The other four movies, An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, I Think I Believe It, My Year of Dicks, The Flying Sailor, and Ice Merchants are all so available. My Year of Dicks? My Year of Dicks, which is also not horribly good. It feels like uh, something that would have been made for MTV in like 1995, and it doesn't have a lot of merit to it, I don't think. Oh but... my goodness. Is this like the same animation style as uh, Waking Life? What was that movie? I don't know. It it doesn't matter. But The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse is the only one that uh, it has major distribution. It's, it's from Apple TV+. Plus. It is bad like it's bad from start to finish and um in an era when we're constantly talking about the ability of um studios to buy oscars which has been a discourse ever since the late 90s thanks to harvey weinstein and the english patient um this reeks of apple buying an oscar through uh influence because man what an undeserving movie to win this award, but moving on. Uh, best animated feature went to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which I think is a fine pick because of the amount of labor that goes into um, stop motion, and that should be rewarded as its own triumph. Um, I think Corin and I were both rooting for Marcel to shell the shoes on, but also a stop motion film, yes, but. It lacks the world of stop motion that Pinocchio has because it is partially stop motion, partially um, live action. Uh, Marcel the Shell the shoes on that is understandable. Uh, best documentary feature went to Navalny, which like fuck you, boo, so lame. Oh, it's so lame. It's such a lame pick. It feels like the Academy being like, we're gonna take a stand against Russia by picking Alexei Navalny to win the like. It's like they feel like it feels like they think they're brave, and it's just a lame choice. It is the least interesting film of all the documentaries here that have so much more heart than Navalny does. And I think the Academy should straight up go fuck itself, but whatever. I will say after we recorded the last podcast, I sat down that night and watched fire of love. Oh, how pretty was it? Only, it is now the only documentary I saw this year, but it is a fucking crime that that did not win because that was one of the best looking documentaries I've ever seen. It's that was gorgeous, fucking believable. And I know that like some people didn't like um, the commentary or the uh, the narration from I forget who narrated it. Um, Sarah Dosa, I'm going to say, I think she did a very apt job and kept a pretty like low register monotonous tone, which worked so well with how bombastic the visuals were. I thought it was very well done, but. Yeah, fucking Navalny blows, fire of love good. Also, all the beat in the bloodshed should have got some recognition, but whatever. Uh, best achievement in visual effects went to Avatar The Way of Water, which, like, yeah, no shit. Um, music written for motion pictures, original song, went to RRR. It was the only Oscar it was nominated for. Of course, it was going to win that. 
Uh, music written, uh, original score, Winter All Choir on the Western Front. I'm just breezing through these because we don't care that much. The Whale, one makeup and hairstyling, which, okay, that's great. Best sound went to Top Gun, Maverick, which, nice. Costume design went to Black Panther. Coming. Yeah, right. Um, Costume design went to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is nice. Uh, production design went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Cool. And then we get into the the meat and potatoes of the Oscars. Film editing. Went to everything, everywhere, all at once. The other nominees were Elvis, Banshees, Top Gun, and Tar. Corbin, what would you think about everything, everywhere, all at once, taking home the editing for Paul Rogers? I don't... When we talked about it, I don't remember who I gave my uh, prediction to or my hope that they win to. Um, It just makes so much sense at this one. I mean, the editing in that film was excellent it won everything else so you knew it was kind of on one of those runs you just can't really stop one of those runaway freight trains um but it's it's a very deserving winner i and i think more so than any of the other movies here it's a movie that lives and dies by its editing as much as every Mm -hmm. film is truly made in the editing room and uh gets shaped by what hits the cutting room floor, everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, you know, it's supplanted the budget uh, in, instead of having a world over in VFX, it's supplanted that with just maximalist editing, you know, to make the multiple universes of, of Michelle Yeoh seem somehow um, more expansive and detailed than the budget allowed them to actually create. So, yeah. yeah like I we always it. talk about it, like, Good editing is editing you don't really notice. And for the most part, that is true. You noticed the editing in this. You couldn't avoid noticing it. And it it was excellent. So when you notice how good it is, I think that's a shoe-in to win. Because I, I really don't think uh, many people really dug too deep on the editing of all these films when they vote. I'm just glad this wasn't an Elvis win, although I, it would have been okay for it to have won if the editors got up there holding their Oscars sweaty and exhausted. <laughs> just like desiccated, you know, emaciated, like, oh, thank God. You would not believe what this took. So many hours spent trying to piece this schlock together. I am dying to know what their, like, Premiere Pro... um project file looks like because it must be a goddamn train wreck anyway uh best cinematography went to all choir on the western front james friend um lame this is a lame pick i've got to say this is such a lame pick the the cinematography here is the same cinematography of basically every modern war film and i think empire of light for deacon's or Tar's, uh, or Florian Hoffmeister for Tar. Even uh, Darius Spire of Love, put that in there. They weren't even trying to compose that film when they filmed it, and they did an excellent job. True, but all of that footage is from, like, the 70s. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it was not filmed recently. But, I mean, like, it's not to say that James Friend's cinematography is not good here, but, I mean, the cinematography is the only thing that's where makes Empire of Light kind of worth watching. And the, I mean, the tonality of, and the cinematography of Tar contributes so much to the overall sensation with the music. I, ugh. 
fuck you, bad German movie. Any thoughts on this before we move on? No. I I don't disagree with you. I just don't have anything to add. What a loser. Uh best adapted um, screenplay went to Women Talking. Um which I'm glad for. I I picked this as the one I really hoped would win. I'm glad did it did well. win. Yeah, I think I was gonna say I think we both did. Uh good screenplay, especially for a movie that didn't get much other Oscar nominations. It was basically just screenplay and picture. So um really glad it had its uh some time to shine. And Sarah Pauly was uh super charming in her speech to accept the award. Sure she was, but I didn't see it. I know you didn't. Original screenplay was where things got uh, a lot more interesting because this is a very competitive category this year between all of the varying nominees. Um, but this is one of the many major awards that the Daniels took home um, for everything, everywhere, all at once. What do you think about that as them as the winner in uh, in light against all this competition? Um. I gotta think. Yeah, don't kill yourself. I, uh, hey, I won't. I don't think they were the most deserving. I don't think they were the most deserving in multiple categories that they won. Um, I think this is a case of everyone loved this movie and talked about how much they loved this movie for what six eight months and i think the hype just kind of ran away and took over the voting uh, i don't know like it's weird i liked this movie i loved the actors in this movie it wasn't my favorite movie and it wasn't something that i thought was an historically good movie and yet we're going to have to sit here and talk about them winning, what, six different awards, seven awards? The Daniels themselves won three Oscars. The movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, won seven Oscars. So that's, I feel like we're, I'm just going to keep repeating myself eight times over or seven times over as we talk about this because it's, yeah, it's just like uh, neat, cool. Of course it won. It won everything else. Why wouldn't it keep winning? I, I think it's tough to say there's anything undeserving in this category, except maybe Triangle of Sadness, just because of how much stronger I think the other four screenplays are. Um, I will say every award that everything, everywhere, all at once was up for that Tar was also up for. I was obviously rooting for Tar <laughs> because that movie is so goddamn good. Um, but yeah, it's it's it. Everything Everywhere is really, really good. Um, the Daniels seem like absolute sweethearts. I love that something weird won, which is, um, I think, the big takeaway. Because obviously, you can sit here and talk about the Daniels, who are lovely and seemed very excited and gracious and um, handled the pressure very well all night, which I can only assume is exceedingly rattling, um, especially when you have to go up there and speak three separate times. But um, 
I think the the major takeaway from this movie's win should be that it's weird. And I think one of the main things that should be taken away from the industry is that A24 has taken a lot of swings on very non-classically large-scale films and has been doing increasingly well on them, both Mm -hmm. commercially and critically. And this movie is a really big showing for that. Um, I mean, they're the best movie studio out there right now, right? They're showing it. Studio, they're a production company. Distribution company, yeah. Uh, I guess both production and distribution. Um, But what production company doesn't also distribute? Who the fuck knows? Uh, Regardless, that is the clear win because a movie like this probably isn't getting made at like 20th century studios, you know? They're even like, um, oh, what's what's Disney? Touchstone? Uh, You know, like I think it's even... I think it's a little bit too out there for the, for that type of shit. So it it is um it is nice to see weird win in a category that is dedicated to completely original thought. Um because that is truly a very original thought. Um which brings us I guess straight into the next category which is achievement in directing, which also went to the Daniels for everything everywhere all at once. Um any feelings it is actually the exact same the directing and screenplay nominees are exactly the same um which is kind of funny i didn't realize that until just now uh thoughts on it again i I think i'm with you where i was rooting for tar i thought tar was a incredibly well directed film as much as i want to say you know everything everywhere wasn't as deserving you are right like there's nothing on here outside of triangle of sadness that wasn't extremely well directed and it's hard to it's hard to really sit here and poke holes in it when it wasn't your pick it wasn't your favorite but it was still incredibly well done and like you said still deserving of this recognition it's also tough to talk about these two awards separately because they are the exact same nominees not the same films nominated the same people nominated because it's it's Typically, one of the the questions I ask myself, and I think most people ask themselves when they're considering uh, nominations or uh, whether who did or didn't get nominated and then who ultimately wins is trying to separate out the pieces, you know, trying to like separate out what film survived best on its screenplay um, and screenplay alone to, to decide how you think about that category and which film lives and dies based on its directing and its directing alone. Um but the all of these films feel like such complete vehicles between those two independent parts that it almost they feels almost inseparable. Um, to that end, I still would have picked Tar, <laughs> but yeah. um, the Daniels. I mean, it is a complete auteur's vision. So you gotta hand it to them. They did, I'm sure, exactly what they wanted to do, and the execution was was um, fucking great. So. Hats off to him. Um, it is nice to see Spielberg back here. It is like weirdly comforting to see Steven Spielberg back in these categories. I know he's nominated for like something almost all the time, but it feels like in recent years, it's been just um, as a producer in the mm-hmm. best picture category and, and not in direct. Actually, last year, West Side Story. But before that, yeah, it was 2012 with Lincoln. 
So we've gotten back to back nominations for Spielberg in the past two years, but it was a it was a decade prior, and it does feel like weirdly nice to have Spielberg back. This is his fourth decade collecting best director nominations. That's like that's stupid. He was he was on the Mount Rushmore of film directors before this. I think four decades worth of best director nominations is it's not something I uh, had any inkling of before you just said it, but that's unbelievably not. It's not shocking, but oh, it's also, I'm sorry. It's, it's a six, just it's slap six in the face. What? I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It is six different decades in which he's collected Oscar nominations for best director. Um, seventies, so eighties, nineties, aughts, tens, twenties. Yeah. Shit. In 1978, what? it was for Close Encounters. In the 80s, he got the directing nom for E.T. In the 90s, he got the directing. He got a directing two directing wins in the 90s for uh, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Um, in the aughts, he had a directing nomination for uh, Munich. In the 2010s, he had a directing nomination for Lincoln. And then here in the 2020s, he has had two direct nominations, one for uh, West Side Story and one for The Fablemans. Just absolutely fucking. And that is also not counting any of his best picture nominations, of which there are so many more. And his now one screenplay nomination. Just fucking ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. I uh, I don't I don't have words. That man is That's... a lunatic. <laughs> That's fucking insanity. I, I and like his first nominations in 1978 for um close encounters was 32. He's 76. He's just been like cruising through all these movies. What a nuts nuts career. I mean do you, that's do you think he ever truly retires or does he keep just working on his own little projects. He's going to Kubrick it. He's going to be working till he dies. That's fair. Kubrick never, never saw the release of Eyes Wide Shut. And I think, especially with how close Kubrick and Spielberg were, um, I think Spielberg is that, I don't want to say aspirationing or aspiring to that, but I think it is, is back of his mind an aspiration to be like, I'm never stopping. Never. Going to have to bleach my director's chair after I'm fused to it in death. Do you think he's buried, like he's taxidermied and and quote unquote buried in a director's chair? I think that'd be really Do funny. It. Do it. But I, I have no idea. Uh, the next category was uh, a very surprising win, I do have to say, although very welcomed as a as a fan. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis winning for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think it was universally thought that if this award would go to one of the two Everything Everywhere people, it would have been Stephanie Hsu. I think um, Carrie Condon was looked at very highly for her performance. Angela Bassett looked upon very highly for her career. 
And Jamie Lee Curtis kind of like sneaking in there, obviously also a career person um, as well as being a legacy person um, and a great performance. Uh, what do you think about her taking home this award? Um, I thought it was a three horse race uh, between Condon, uh, Curtis and uh, Hugh Sue. Shoe. Shoe. Thank you. Um, I I agree. I thought that of the two from everything, Shoe was far and away the more compelling and, and better performance. Um, this is probably the one I was most upset about. I really? I thought there was more hype for Jamie Lee Curtis coming into this. Um, I don't know necessarily why there was but it felt like more people were talking about carrie condon versus jamie lee curtis rather than stephanie shu um it's just it's it's i don't understand it i i don't think like you said when we did the podcast it's not just a a complete legacy award where jamie lee curtis has been looked over for role after role after role like she's had great roles but nothing where it's like shocking that she hasn't won an oscar for ahem freaky friday it fucking that is such a guilty pleasure movie for me or at least it was no guilt buddy that years. movie's amazing sorry continue. i my um my crush growing up was Lindsay lohan so i watched that movie and my crush growing up was jamie lee curtis in freaky friday <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh what was the trading places where she's just a smoke show? Uh yes. Also true lies. Fair. Very fair. Super sexy and true lies. Super sexy all And the Johnny Travolta the time, uh like jazzer size movie. Oh my god, what the fuck was that called? It wasn't like body of evidence. I think I had like a um there was like a it was like a pun title, like something cutesy. Yeah, where she's uh I know exactly the movie you're talking about. I'm gonna look perfect. It up. You, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, perfect. Body of Evidence is a movie, but that's not the right movie. Anyway, well uh, God, I'm now just watching up. John Travolta just hip thrust. It's sexy, that's for sure. Oh, and a fish called Wanda. She's so hot in a fish called Wanda. She was a very, 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 she still is very attractive. She's what, like mid 60s? 83. I'm sorry. What? No, I'm kidding. She is <laughs> um, 65, 64, turning 65 this year. She was one of my favorite parts of uh, the first, not, it's not the last time yet. It's, yeah. Um, uh, uh, I was about to say never yeah. after you. That's not wrong. That's not right. It's, it's the knives out thank you oh my goodness she was awesome in that i loved her character in that some would say she's awesome all the time you know what maybe we should give jamie lee curtis a legacy oscar which i guess we just did but the royal we shout outs to you know the fact that she has now accomplished something that her she is the daughter of hollywood royalty um janet (laughs) lee and tony curtis both of whom were nominated for oscars during their careers and never actually won one so it's also kind of cool that, like, you know, Jamie Lee hold, managed to do something that two of her incredibly famous parents never did. Hold on. Why does she spell her last name L-E-E? It's a middle name. 
Oh, I thought it was like a hyphenated. No, it's a middle uh, name. Lee Curtis. Okay. That's why you'll notice that, there's no hyphen there. I, I wasn't looking at it. I moved to something. Uh, leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. Welcome back, Jersey, baby. Get fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool. I think it's a great performance that is... Um, it obviously doesn't Tony, have the same. Tony Curtis has a daughter named Allegra. Um, yeah, her middle name is DM. PM. Damn it, I fucked up my own joke. Damn it. Ah, oh, I suck. Anyway, um, it's a really sneaky performance in there because so much screen time is devoted to Stephanie Shu being sincere, which is obviously much more, um, I think, Im- impressing upon people. Um. You know, that's what we come to movies for. We, we come to be moved to a certain extent, whatever that might be. But Jamie Lee Curtis's physical performance in that film is outstanding. Not to mention the oh, sparse perfect. moments she right. has naturally. Not to mention the sparse moments she also has to be, you know, sincere and endearing. Like the scenes where um, Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis are like living together with the hot dog fingers. Um, mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, like, makes those scenes what they are she like when michelle yo walks out on jamie lee curtis it's jamie lee curtis selling how much that hurts her it is such <laughs> a good performance and it's also nice because in her um acceptance speech she makes note of how she is a genre actress and has always worked in genre and how more uh respect needs to be paid to working in genre, which she is absolutely 100% correct about. Um, but yeah, shout out to you, Jamie Lee. Uh, which brings us to another win for Everything Ever World All at Once, Best Supporting Actor, which went to Kei Kwan, who has been cleaning up at the um, all of the award ceremonies leading up to the Oscars. So this was really no surprise. Um, thoughts on this one? Well, uh, I would have rioted if he did not win this award. He got all the hype coming into this. It was completely deserved. Uh, one of my favorite performances of the year for any love bowl of this award. What an awesome showing. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, I mean, we talked about all of these uh, nominees basically while we talked about the uh, the episode before this as well as the episodes in which we spoke about these movies specifically. But uh his performance is so tough because he has to both be the emotional core of the movie and also the um, exposition dumper of the movie. And those two people tend not to be the same in films because it's tough to look at the guy who is expositioning every line of dialogue he has to make you understand it and also be the guy that you're going to look at as somehow sweet and lovable and not kind of cold in that way that we, I think we look at people who are just there for information to be a little bit cold or distancing. Um, He's great. I love him. Glad he won this award. That's cool. Uh, And here comes another win for this movie. Michelle Yeoh, everything everywhere, all at once taken back lead actress in a leading role. Uh, Corwin thoughts here. Um, kind of the same feelings. Uh, how would you have felt if Anna Darvis accidentally won this Oscar? 
again riots in the streets <laughs> oh man imagine they played her oscar clip and it was just the video of her getting fucked in the producer's office <laughs> oh boy let's the sound of wet something. cheeks clapping that oh. i'll tell you what that would have made me watch the oscars next year that's for sure and they didn't turn it off during her speech oh man yeah. Uh just imagine if movie. that was their entire strategy in getting more people to watch the actual show live is just mix in some straight up erotica in their presentations. That would have been funny. It, uh, if they put every actor's nude scenes up during their wins, like every I guess KA Kwan wouldn't happen, but like there's gotta be instances where like Made some dudes specific, are hanging dong. You know what? Live performance. We had Eminem and Elton John one year. Let's have fucking K. Quad just going at it with Jamie Lee Curtis on stage. Uh, I think Corbin's promoting the bottomless Oscars now. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michelle Yeoh is great. She is. We talked about this when we talked about the nominees. She her career has been great and oft overlooked by Western audiences. She's amazing. I was again rooting for Kate Blanchett as I was rooting for Tar in all of its categories. But if it had to lose Steve. to anybody, I'm glad it lost to. Uh, this movie, um, especially because I did not particularly care for the other performances from these. Not that any of them are bad, just that, I, well, Blonde is rough, but um, I would have highly preferred one of the other two. So love you, Michelle Yo. Glad you got some recognition. I hope you turn this into lots and lots of money. Spaceballs. Um, quest for more. Do you have her IMDb page open? Does she have I anything do. up and coming? Oh, yeah, she's a bunch of stuff up and coming. Um, she's going to be in the next three Avatar movies, so Avatar 3, 4, and 5. She's going to be in the new Wicked movie that comes Why? out next year. Um, the Tiger's Apprentice, which uh, is a voice acting role, as well as Ark, the animated series. The Brothers' Son, which I don't know what that is, A Haunting Venice. Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which, oof. Um, and then what must be a Hong Kong production called Da Niao... Don't guy. Um, no idea what that is, but that's not coming. No one knows. Uh, speaking of Hong Kong cinema, I really enjoyed all of her just absolute broadside shots at uh, Jackie Chan through the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, not the production or the, yeah, the press junket. What, what, what shots did she take? I didn't see any of it. Um, how like, Originally for this film, they brought it to Jackie Chan for, you know, first looks. And after he called her straight up and was like, oh God, I'm going to butcher this. I don't remember the specifics, but basically just really throwing out there on the Graham Norton show how Jackie Chan is just a fucking flaming asshole. They're really good friends. Okay, well, maybe it was a shot anyway, but. I know, know they were in a bunch of films together, but yeah, no, 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 they are very good friends. <laughs> okay, maybe yeah. they had a falling out. No, like they're still good friends, like to this day. I fucking know. All right, fuck me. I Jackie, guess I'm not trying to defend Jackie because he does have, from what I understand, a complicated relationship to Hong Kong. Um, because some people do consider him to be kind of an asshole. But from what I understand, and I've heard Michelle Yeoh talk about Jackie as well, he's supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be very good friends, but. All right, well, now you have me looking it up, so maybe maybe we come yeah. back. Maybe Get I'll just fucked, loser. 
Um, best performance by an actor in a leading role went to Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Um, in what was a not the strongest of categories. Um, definitely one of the tougher to predict because it felt like it was either going to be Brendan Fraser or probably Colin Farrell. Um, First result is uh, Michelle Yeoh calling Jackie Chan a male chauvinist pig. So really, good. Man, I just heard an interview with her like the other day, and maybe she was talking about <laughs> Stephen Kong now. That was that was in 1997. Oh, all right. What do you think about Brendan Fraser's win? I like it. It made me happy. I'm happy he won. Um, but I don't know why I said but. I have nothing against it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching him win. I'm I'm so happy that he won, not for the role, but just for him as a person. Uh, yeah, very happy for 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 Brendan. Um, I'm upset because it might lead more people to watching what is a really bad movie. Um, but very happy for for Brendan. Um, seems like a swell guy. Deserves uh more recognition and and stuff to do. Uh, oh, he's gonna be in Killers of the Flower Moon. That's exciting. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, as we should. I've seen all nothing be about, about that lately, and I'm I'm so excited for it. I am so excited still for um, Francis Ford Coppola's newest movie because the only things I've heard about it lately have been what a fucking disaster it is. And that has me so excited. Well, he's never really had a disaster movie before, so we'll see how it goes. Is this a joke? Yeah. I was going to say Apocalypse Now is famously quite a disaster. Um, but yeah, he hasn't had any Oscar nods since The Godfather Part 3, a movie that does not exist. Um, so before that, Apocalypse Now, 1980, um, after a huge run of just owning the 70s. Um, Apocalypse Now came out in 79. Huh? Apocalypse Now came out in 79. Yes, but the Oscar, that was the 1980 Oscar season. God damn it. I know like one fucking fact every like 30 episodes and I can't even have it. Motherfucker. Yeah, because you Corwin, get it together. I know. Uh, Megalopolis is like um his his new movie. It, I think he's, he's like self-financed and also has a budget of like a hundred something million dollars of all of his own money. I'm so excited for it. I hope it's either the best movie I've ever seen or the worst. I want nothing in between. I will not settle for mediocrity. Um, when's it supposed to come out? Do you know? Adam Driver, Natalie Emanuel, Forrest Whitaker, Lawrence Fishburne, John Voight, Talia Shire, Shia LaBeouf, Jason Schwartzman, Dustin Hoffman. Actual cannibal Ooh. Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, dude, there's no. It's just like it keeps expanding and expanding. Every actor, like the twentieth build person in this movie, will be someone we all know. That's kind of nuts. Man, I it doesn't mean, doesn't have anything about when it's actually meant to come out. Ah, Jesus fucking Christ, this is insane. 
Okay, yeah. Well, we'll save that for later. The best picture of motion picture of the year. Best motion picture of the year. Can you guess who it went to? If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know because the Oscars was two weeks ago. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once won best picture for the Quans and Jonathan Wang. Um, Corbin, thoughts here? I mean, of course they won. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised. I thought it was a very... uh, It's a it's something that's been kind of heavy handed and of course it was going to be everything everywhere all at once. Um, again, I thought it should be tar. Do I think that this is the worst upset in the past five years? No, at this point, assume that the best film that comes out is more likely not to win than it is to win. So whatever. Yeah. I mean, as much as we want the Oscars to be a guiding light for retrospection, you know, you're going to you want to look back at the 97 Oscars, 90, 82 Oscars, whatever year and have it have the award have gone to whatever film from that year has held up as you'd want it to or, um, uh, uh, you know, has held up as its legacy has. Uh, but it's not always the case. These are snapshots. You know, these are not um, this is this is a snapshot in time, I guess I should say. It's not an attempt to say uh, what we think is going to be this year's biggest contribution to cinema and will stand the test of time, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, it is meant to be a representation of the moment. Um in that way, this is the perfect pick. Everything ever wall at once is certainly the biggest moment, I think, from filmmaking this year, outside of maybe Top Gun Maverick, but that doesn't, I think, have the cachet to win this award. It's a really good movie featuring a lot of, um, I think, people's favorite actors doing fun, goofy shit. I challenge you to show me one movie theater that didn't go, oh, shit, James Hong, or at least, oh, shit, that guy from Seinfeld, when James Hong came on screen. Um or everyone who didn't go like, I know her from somewhere. Was she in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon when Michelle Yeoh came out? Or go short round when, Mich- when uh, K. Hey Kwan came out? Or fucking Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Um, like there's, there's a lot to root for. It's a really good movie. I think Tar will have the bigger legacy. <laughs> but only time will tell. It's still a very good movie. It's a very fun movie. Again, it's important that weird shit um, win major accolades so that we continue to fund more weird shit. Uh, the lamest pick would have been your um your Avatar: The Way of Water or your All Quiet on the Western Front because those movies get made all the time and it's not no, helpful. Elvis, Elvis. No, Elvis doesn't get made all the time. Elvis is a weird movie. I wouldn't have been happy about it. It's a bad movie, but Elvis is at least a weird movie. I'm talking about films that get made constantly. And giant sure. James Cameronian blockbusters, which are just a vehicle for VFX. If you're a fan of Avatar, you have to be a fan of Marvel. Like you have to accept that about yourself. You're no better than a Marvel fan, bitch. And it, it, it's this because it's the same goddamn thing. It's a flimsy fucking story that is sold based solely on the fact that look how much money we spent on computers. That's all it is. It, Avatar is an analog for a Marvel movie. 
So between that and All Quiet on the Western Front, like those movies, no, don't do it. But everything, everywhere, all at once is weird. Uh, it weird is perfectly acceptable for me to take home an Oscar. We should also give an Oscar to Alejandro Hodorowski for just doing what he do because that goddamn that man is strange and I love him. Any any thoughts from you, Corwin? Um, we watched a lot of really shit nominees this year. I am not looking forward to next year because I know there's going to be plenty more shit ones. Just, just be better next year, please. I am ready to get weirder. Let's see some more crazy stuff next year. Yeah, like it's not even weird that like weird is fun. Even if it's bad, weird is like it it entertains, like it, it keeps your attention. Um there's just some real dog shit out there that I, I don't want to watch. You're not wrong. There's a lot of mediocre movies that get nominated in this category, so I feel you. Well, Corwin. We've made it to the end. Uh, any final thoughts on the Oscars in general before we put it to uh, rest for the year? No. Okay. In that case, let's talk about next week's picks. Corwin Heller, what you got? All right. Um, I need just I need something easy to watch. I can't I can't be watching any more causeways. I can't be watching any more Elvis. God forbid if I watch another blonde. I just I don't need anything weird or exciting. I need the classic. If it is on, I will watch it start to finish and I can't wait to watch it every time. I'm going master and commander to the far side of the world. It's just yeah. It's the ultimate dad movie. It is the ultimate dad movie. I love it. It will always have that place in my heart of like, my dad was like, you need to sit down and watch this with me because you'll have kids one day and it will be everything to you. And uh, I want to watch really? it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Do you, I had a backup. You don't seem excited. Would you rather me go with my backup? No, I think I'm probably no, 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 also no. due for a rewatch of Master and Commander because it's been a long time. But the thing is, like, my I also watched it with my dad, and so part of me is just sitting there like, "Fuck, man." Yeah, it, it's like every other movie you watch, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, I'll I'll give you. I don't disagree. I have a movie that is much more exciting. Uh, to talk about if you want to do that, but I won't tell you what it is. <laughs> do you want what's behind door number two? Do you you have a second door? Uh, nah, I'll stay with Master and Commander. Save your next pick yeah. for next week. Damn, all right, okay. fine, fine, fucking fine. I'll take out what's behind door number two, you dumb little bitch. Give it to me. What is it? <laughs> I saw a clip of this the other day, and I don't think I've ever seen it more than just like flipping through the channels when it happened to be on TV and just getting that three second glimpse of it. But the clip I watched was genuinely really funny. 
and by all means, the expectation of this being a dog shit movie for the past 15 years, I just, I'm so interested to see what it's like to see if it holds up. It's a Mike Myers film. The Cat in the Hat. That's so funny you mentioned that because you didn't come to our latest dinner party, but that came up a lot. That's funny. Really? Yes. How? How did this movie come up? Because we were playing a game where you had to give hints based on what a what uh, uh, a word was or something like that, and the the or the uh, uh, TV show was and the TV show or the the book. I think it was a book. Was the Cat in the Hat? And someone said Mike Myers, and someone didn't get that. And then we had a we went down a whole Mike Myers Cat in the Hat crazy movie rabbit hole. Um. Because that movie just, is nuts. It looks so. Have you seen it? Yes. I'm sure you have. Oh, of course it I have. It looks so fucking ridiculous. Have you not seen it? No, that's what I was saying. Like I only ever saw like three second snippets, like scrolling through. Like it just it's, looks like a flaming pile of garbage. It it is very famous for a specific reason, but I will or much maligned at its time for a specific reason that I will save until we talk about it so that I don't um, spoil it. See if you notice it. Yeah. I'm just watching screenshots. And it's like, how the fuck did this get made? Mike Myers at that point, man, was just like handed a Money. blank check. And he was like, they were like, do whatever the fuck you want. And he was like, I am the cat in the hat. And you know what's crazy? That movie had a $109 million budget what? and made $134 million. What the fuck? Are you t- $100 million for that movie? $110 million for that movie? Are you fucking yes. kidding me? I'm completely serious. <laughs> and it made it back oh, and then some, dude. which is also like fucking insane. Yeah, all right. We'll save. We'll save it until we talk about it. So you're picking the cat in the hat. Great. I'm gonna go with Crash. Not that. Oh, one. oh. No. Nope. The 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 1996 uh, David Cronenberg film Crash. Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I've never seen it. I want to. I haven't either. <laughs> I will not go so far as to say I want to, but I'll watch it. What is your? I'll say I'll save my questions about your experiences with Cronenberg for later. But yeah, we're watching a Cronenberg. Let's get Cronenberged. All up in this bitch, Cronenberg. All right, so that's the cat in the hat. But even the poster is just terrifying to look at. <laughs> just it's absolute straight nightmare fuel. It's crazy. it's crazy to look. I, th- I think I saw poster. I think I saw that clip like right after watching one of like the really shitty movies that we had to watch for um, this past episode, the the Oscars. And I just got like really annoyed with you for making me do this every year because it's so many, so many pieces of dog shit. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this, Josh. 
take this. I'm going to make you watch this garbage. And then I kept watching it and was like, oh, God, I actually like, I might really enjoy this movie. This looks fun. We'll get into it. Yeah, it's a, and it's also fun. Uh, well, yes, we'll save this for when we actually talk because I have so much to say. <laughs> but okay, all good. Great. Okay, the I cat in the hat. Quinn to watch this with me. <laughs> Tell her it won an Oscar, but make her guess which one it is. And then after she watches it, reveal to her that it didn't win a single fucking Oscar. That's awful. Yeah. No, she'll know that. And then she'll be like, just tell her it was like, it was not only for best screenplay. Can you believe that? I'm convinced that I'm going to really enjoy this movie and she's going to leave me because I make her watch it. Just also FYI for like, what a weird movie this is. Um, The writer is Alec Berg, who is the writer for Barry, Silicon Valley, um, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, like Seinfeld, like, it, it's not, he's one of the most famous producers in television. Yeah, like and David Mendel, I know who he who did is. Veep and Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld, um, and SNL, like The Simpsons. It's nuts. It's a nuts, nuts, nuts movie. That's awesome. The director, just to, I can't not do this. The director, Bo Welch, has four Oscar nominations. It's a crazy movie. We'll talk about it next time. <laughs> so that's David Cronenberg's crash from 1996. Not to be confused with the much worse crash that came out four years or six years, eight years later. Um, and 2002's um, The Cat in the Hat, which I want to say 2003, I want to say got pushed back because of 9-11. Like, it's a crazy movie. Oh, no. It's like, it's such an insane movie. Okay. I'm actually kind of excited. The cat in the hat. Great. Uh, Corwin, anything else to say before we get out of here? Uh, absolutely not. All right. Then uh, let's do We're all done. Um, if you'd like to follow the show, you can do so um, on Twitter at Big Screen Juice. If you'd like to send um, emails to the show, you can do so at juicingthebigscreenatgmails.com. If like to follow Corin on Twitter, you can do so at Corin Heller. If like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And until next time, y'all have a good one.